Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. When I was uh, in seminary at graduate school, I was doing rotations. Uh, we did rotations kind of like medical school students do in, in various uh, places of ministry, and I was doing the one at the hospital uh, to learn how what the life of a chaplain is like and what that ministry uh, would feel like and maybe get involved in. It was, it was quite an experience for me in a lot of different ways, a lot of stories. There's one particularly that altered my life, my, my entire life, and it's when the chaplain and I walked in on a gentleman. He was mid-60s, maybe late-60s. Let's call him 68. And he'd come to the hospital to die. That's, that's not what he thought, but that's what was happening. There was nothing anyone could do. And he had spent enough time in this room alone and quiet and still that he had a chance to realize what that meant, that he was, he was he's going to be passing soon. And that's when we walked in, he saw us, and the chaplain had a collar on, and so he knew what that meant, and uh, he just exploded with emotion. Never seen anything like that in my life. If you're familiar with uh, psychoanalyst Eric Erickson, talks about the stages of life, and this last stage of life, the final stage of life, is uh, where, we, where we can't do anything else. And we, if we've lived foolishly, then we live with emotions uh, like regret and bitterness and despair. Despair. That was what I saw. I've never seen anyone cry like that. Never cry that hard and never cry with that tonage. And, and, and the reason why is this man had chosen to live passively. Just he, he, he chose not to know deeply who he was or to be known by anyone else. He chose without even choosing. He chose without choosing not to enjoy his wife and, and like see that his place was to build her up and strengthen her and give her courage that she might fly and sing and enjoy life in a way that no one else could have been in, in her life. He missed that. And so uh, the chaplain asked, can we pray for you? And he, he said, I would love for you to pray for me. And then the chaplain prayed something like this. It was startling. He said, you know, dear God, uh, our heavenly father, uh, we'd ask that this man would have peace Somehow, because he, have, he, he wasted his life. He lived it selfishly. He, he watered up and, and squandered and disregarded this very precious gift that you gave him, the only life he had, and it was thrown away. And now we're asking that you would forgive him this, this, all these decisions, this collection of decisions that he's made his whole life so that he might, in the last few days, have peace, knowing that you've forgiven him for the life he squandered and that sin of squandering his only life. In Jesus' name. And was crying and said, thank you. We went out, and right around the hallway, I said, well, that was some prayer. <laughs> and he said, you can't lie when you're on the side of a man's bed and he's going to die soon. And two... That was the only prayer anyone could pray for him. That's the only prayer left. And so I've, 
on my drive home from the hospital that afternoon, I just thought, boy, I just had this visitation from the ghost of Christmas future, right, in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, where this is how it could end. And so here's, here's the point of today. You and I, we have to resolve that we won't live that man's life. We have to resolve that we will not hear that prayer on the side of our bed someday on that day. So here's the question. Where will you be when you're 68, metaphorically, right? Or, or no, better, who will you be? Who will you be? Is, are, are you going to be a person that's d- defined by the way you were made? Like we've been praying about this, this bent that has this magnetic pull that we always go towards expressions of narcissism? Are, are you going to be defined by uh, maybe the way you were raised or some experiences in your life? Are, or, are you, or, are you going to, or are you going to say, on that day, I want to be the product of what God has for me. At, at, on that day, I want to be pursuing this thing that he has in store for us with no regrets, and that is to be a saint. I want to be a saint. Let me put it in a whole different way of looking at it, okay? Again, this, this has to do with intentionality, right? Um, do you have an ambition uh, with, a, with a goal or a, a stop date where when you're 30 or 40, 50, or 60, where you will no longer talk about um, the way you were made, this bent, or the way you were raised, or some kind of experience. You'll never, you won't talk about that again by this date you know, with tear-filled eyes. It won't have power over you anymore. That's my point. Do you have a, a goal to be free? Okay, let's, let me ask you this. If you have that goal to be free, that you, you're no longer going to be subject to nurture or nature, do you have a plan, a road out of that pit? Do you have a, a, a strategy? You're going to need a strategy. And then finally, you know, you have this ambition and then you have this plan, but what power are you intending to use to no longer be a puppet? Because overcoming a bent soul and primary programming will need a supernatural power. Do you, have, <laughs> do you have any of that intention in your life? Because here's the good news. God has that for us. Every single, every single soul. He has an ambition that we would be saints. Okay? That he would cha- radically change us to the way we were meant to be. What we could have been. He has a plan, a, a, a journey out, so that we're not subject to the nurture nature thing. We can, and, and the power of the Spirit of God that he has for us to indwell us so that we might be able to overcome a frame that's bent or this, or this programming that we have. God's will for your life, listen, God's will for your life is to be a saint. God's will for your life is to be a saint. There's two parts of it. One, that you'd be a saint. And two, that you would brag about the miracle of your life that God has done for you. That you would be a saint, and then you would brag about God's work in your life. What a miracle you are. And so here's, the, here's what we have to do. You have to resolve this. God's will, God's way. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's a life journey. God's will, 
God's way. You have to, you have to discover what God's will is, and you're going to have to submit to God's way in that. And today what I want to do is I want to give you kind of a big picture, a survey of the path that God has for us. And, and it's a path that's, on one hand, it's a well-worn path. It's a very wide path because there, every saint has gone down this place. There's a, there's, there's a commonality to it that if you want to get to the destination, you're going to have to go on this path. On the other hand, it's, it's a narrow path because everyone is, each one of us has a unique concoction of injury and um, and, and bentness so that it's, you, you, you can't even share the path with a, a loved one, a mate. You, they can walk next to you, but you, they have their path, you have yours. But that's what we're going to look at today is the, is the path f- from where we are to where we were meant to be. We want everyone to enjoy uh, this, this journey together. As a matter of fact, we ran out of books already, but we want everybody to, if you could, buy the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's a thing in the bulletin to give you an insight. We'll try to get some more here. We want everybody to be in some kind of a group to talk about where are we and where do we go next. And actually, there's a group meeting in the old auditorium. If you want to be part of that group, you come first hour, and they, they walk right into um, what happens, you know, how to apply it. What we're going to do today, though, I want you to, I want you to understand what the Bible Bible's ambition for us is over here called maturity. Sometimes it's called completeness. Sometimes it's even called perfection. That's God's ambition for us. And we're going to look at today is how do we get there? And we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll do this. We'll start at the end so that you know what God has for us. Because I think a lot of people get confused in their walk with God, in their spiritual life development, because they don't know where God's taking them. And so they're confused about why they'd be experiencing. Or put it another way, if you don't know the end, you'll never make sense of the means to that end. So it's throughout the Bible, but never so succinctly is in Romans chapter 8. This is what God's up to with our lives. For God foreknew, for who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. So he has a predestined plan for each one of us, and it's over here to be mature, complete, perfect, and it's in the image of the Son. And what that means is you won't really be like Jesus so much in personality. We already have one of those, and everybody's unique, but it would be the uniqueness of you, but in the, per, in the perfection of Jesus. It would be the way you were, could have been or might have been or should have been. It's your personality without the filth and, and the ugly stuff. You're going to love what you become. It's you holy you holy. Well, how do you get there? Again, this, there's a great book called The Critical Journey, Stages uh, in Life of Faith, where a couple of authors, and that's what's in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, chapter six, but, but in the original work, it's more, a little more academic. That's why we're not using that. These two authors studied the lives of the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, and church history, and found out, you know what, there's enough common things to, to be able to say, you know what, we, we can see that there is a somewhat of a, a path. It's, and so they call it six stages of faith. The six stages of faith is what they called it. And here's what I want us to do today. This is why when you're listening, I want you to be listening and answering these questions. One, where are you today? As we describe the six stages, where do you feel like most fits, you know, your experience with God thus far? And then second, what do you need to do to get to the next place? Right? I mean, the reason we have street signs, many street signs, is to warn us about what's coming next. So we have a little triangle that says, you know, sharp curve, right, so we know ahead of time. I want you to see where you are, what's next for you in these stages of faith, okay? 
Look at, let's look at the six stages. We'll start with step, stage one, and that's um, a life-changing awareness of God. This is when we are awestruck by the majesty of who God is and the fact that, that we can have a relationship with him by grace alone. Once we, once we make that grace and forgiveness personal to our life, we, well, we call it, in some Bibles it says born again. Other Bibles, the same word is born from above. It's this supernatural transformation of the very nature of your soul. And you're awestruck by God. You usually experience a great deal of joy and, and a regaining of innocence. Your soul feels young again and innocent. Now, stage one, some people just stay at stage one, and their, their faith is mostly just a collision of emotions and hopes that aren't necessarily even biblical hopes because they have no grounding and then you end up needing to go to stage two where you learn more about the nature of God and the nature of those promises. Stage two is discipleship. Discipleship is uh, characterized by learning and community. Learning and community, that's a church. You get involved in other people's lives. You learn about the nature of God. The prom- you learn about what you believe, why you believe it. It's reasonable faith, that sort of thing. Going to various Bible studies, people that get stuck on stage two, they can't wait for the next Bible study. They, they're filling in the notebooks. Oh, let's go to that other church or that other study. They use Greek words. And, and that's, it's an easy place to stay because there's, it's all about getting. You know, it's pretty safe. It's no cost to you. But normally, normal growth is a person wants to move in to stage three where they're doing things. The stage three is called the active life. Because now you, you desire, you're overflowing with this joy and now with a little bit of knowledge and you want to you give back to generally the church. You want to help serve any way you can. You find out that you have gifts and talents given to you by God, even supernatural spiritual gifts. And you want to say, hey, how to make this body grow? How do I, how do I be part of this family? How do I, wanna, I want to be a, a playing part of this family. I would love to say this would be great if there were just three stages. One two, and three, right? You're born again, you learn some things, you get involved. As a matter of fact, I would say most evangelical churches in America, that's all they do. They just do one, two, and three, one, two, and three, one, two, and three. If you have a problem and you want a little bit more deeper, they'll say, you know, it's probably because you have too much spare time. So let's get you back in there. And um, you, when, if you get stuck here, and a lot of people like staying here, uh, you're going to find yourself being tired and disenchanted and sometimes even used. Again, if you're in a church where it's just doing those three, you're going to feel used because maybe you are. What happens now is you move into stage four, and it's called the journey inward. And your, your soul is wanting something more. And, and ultimately, this is a very personal and deep, it's an unsettling experience. The primary issue is a simple faith is not enough, or a simple faith just isn't working anymore. And you, and you must go deeper. You simply must go deeper. Now, how do you get to this journey inward? Usually uh, something happens to you. In other words, uh, something, an experience, a, a death, or, or something that throws you off balance enough so that it jolts you, and, you, and you're trying to apply simple faith to it, it doesn't work. And it, let me put... An, Another reason this happens is it's just because the stages of life 
are rather difficult and increasing in difficulty. So just think, if you remember 15, right, the adolescent years, just add 10, just keep adding 10, and each time things are getting progressively more difficult. So at 15 and then 25 and 35, 45. And, and the reason people journey inward and have a problem right here is because a 10-year-old answer isn't working anymore. Your, your 25-year-old faith doesn't work as a 35-year-old. And the simple things, you have to go deeper because the deep waters within your soul, they are running rapid. And you're finding yourself having these outbursts and you're, almost, you're surprised by them yourselves because just containing the pressure cooker kettle of your soul, it can't be worked. So what, so what worked before isn't working now, and that leads you to the wall. This is where uh, the authors say that all of the people have this experience at this wall, and the wall means all engines stop. We can't just keep moving. There's not momentum or inertia enough to get through this wall. This is where we have to, we have to, we can't move on unless we deal with things honestly. This wall, this wall is where dreams go to die. They have to die. The reason they have to die is because most of our dreams, they're about us. And we can't get any spiritually deeper until we face the us. And that's why this, this event is called the dark night of the soul. Because you can be there for a long time. And you have more questions than you have answers for. Uh, formula Christianity doesn't work anymore. And, and what's interesting is, is in, in this experience, you will feel, where is God? Because God was nicely packaged, and he didn't show up to this next stage of life or this next event of life. This is where most people stall at the wall. At the author of, of the book that we're reading together says 80% of Christians are, are right here. And, and here's, they must face this. They must, you, if you're at the wall, you must face God's will, God's way. God's will, he's got a plan, and he's going to do it the way he wants. And that's in, in that staring into that God's will, God's way, you have three choices. And this, this is a very important uh, season or, or part of life, okay? and you must choose carefully. It's critical to your journey. The first way you can choose, choice is you can, you can choose to just, like, I'm done. A lot of people do that. They just go, you know what, I, I don't need this anymore. It doesn't work anymore. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, I did that when I was single and when I was a newlywed, but, yeah. And now I go to church because, well, you know, for the kids mostly. That's, I'm just kind of playing along, but there's no depth to it, Okay. The second way uh, people deal with it is they, they kind of double down on one through three. They just get back involved, right? They, they're afraid of facing this. They, they're afraid of doing anything but superficiality, and so they just get busy. This is very common. Uh, Pascal wrote about it over 500 years ago when he said, most of what people do is stay distracted so they won't have to think deeply. And that's what happens at this when you just say, you know what, uh, I'm just going to do more, faster, better. And that's how you end up with a chaplain praying a prayer of forgiveness for your life. The third way is you meet God and you have a fresh surrender. 
It's, it's strange in that it is very passive and it's very active. You get to this wall and you realize the shallow faith won't work anymore, 10-year-old faith doesn't work, and you say, it's passive in that you say, I'm gonna quit fighting. I'm gonna quit arguing. I'm exhausted with this, right? And so, but, but it's active in that you have this stubborn declaration of you won't leave without God. Your heart's desire is, I, I'm not, I'm, I want a spiritual life. So I'm not leaving without it. I'm not going to fight anymore, but I can't, I can't do any more for me. And listen, and this is a beautiful story. If you want to read the context, you have to read a lot of Exodus. But Exodus chapter 33, you've seen the Exodus with Moses, right? But in chapter 33, Moses is unraveled. He's sick and tired of the people he's wandering around the desert with. He's wondering why God cares about anything. And he's just like, done. He's done. He's at the wall. And then, and then he's, but, but, but listen, but here's this, his value is, he says, I won't go forward. God says, I'll lead you out here. It's like, I'm not leaving unless you show me your glory. You see how he quit fighting on one hand, but on the other hand, he's like, no, we're not mounting up until I see your glory. He's saying, here's what happens at, at the wall, at the third, if you make this third choice and you say, there has to be more. There has to be more, and I'm not moving on until that. And so if you make that choice to desire more, it will cost you. <laughs> it will cost you uh, your formula Christianity. It will cost you certainty because there's not a lot of certainty on the other side of the wall, and it'll cost you clarity. Those things can't fit through the experience. Certainty and clarity uh, and formula Christianity. And, and that's why John the Baptist, when he, uh, he knew all about who Jesus was, he was the one that declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He baptized Jesus. But when, when John the Baptist was in that prison, he sent a runner to ask Jesus, are you the one? I mean, he, John didn't believe his own prophecy. Why? Because he was at this wall, and he kind of had a view of God's will, God's way, but it wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's way because he was in prison. And so he said, you know, are you the Messiah? And is this the kingdom of God? And Jesus sends back God's will, God's way. Yes, it is. And God's will is for you to be a martyr. John's okay with that. But he had to surrender his idea of what God was supposed to be up to. It Stage four in this wall is absolutely the most difficult part of the spiritual journey. And, and you can be stuck there for months or years. I, I, I know men and women that they just have so many dents in their forehead because they keep trying to run through the wall. And it's usually the same event. They go through terrible experiences and they never change. They, they're, they're, they still stay superficial and shallow. And so God, the patience of God says, we, that's why it's a wall. I'm going to have to leave you here. There's still too much of you. There's still too much of you. And that's why G.K. Chesterton, that's why I think G.K. Chesterton wrote, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and then therefore not tried. But boy, if you can get on the other side of this, if you can surrender yourself and see God for who he is and God's will, God's way, you get to the fifth step, 
the stage fifth step and it's stage and it's called the journey outward. And it's a, it's a, it's Jesus rediscovered. It, it is a new understanding of what it means to be submissive. I mean, what's changed? What's changed? Your ambitions, your dreams, they died, right? Your hopes, hopefully your theology, oh, you're going to fit God into this nice little box so you can understand. All of that has changed. Most of that is lost. You know what's changed? You have. You've changed. In the deepest part of who you are, you're being redefined. And now you can love honestly and seek truthfulness, and it's, it's just a joy in life. You have a fresh calling, a fresh idea of vocation. It looks like, like stage three, where if you remember stage three, it looks like stage three, but it's a whole different set of motivations. There's nothing in it for you now. And you can be independent. You can see people as souls, not people to just get involved with. You don't have the answers that you were asking, but you're okay with right, the uncertainty of things. And that'll birth you right into that sixth stage where it's this transformed into love. At stage six, you have lost yourself, and then you have found your true self at the same time. You, you become selfless. You became self-forgetful. Your peace with who you are, maybe how you're raised, all this obedience is now not sacrificial. It's just because. You are not, stage six, transformed into love. You are not defined by the way you were made or the way you were raised or experiences that you had. You are defined by God. And you believe his truth and his promises that he's made. And you're focused on him, not like your definition. As a matter of fact, there are people over here in stage six, and they will talk about the very things the way they were made maybe or the way they were experiencing growing up or something, they will look back at those and they will thank God for the things they used to shake their fist at God for because now they can see things and do things for God's glory that they couldn't have done otherwise. Because the purpose of life right here is like to be a saint and to brag. <laughs> to be a saint and to brag about what God has done that your life is a miracle. And so some people, not, not all people, they can be over here and and enjoy what they've been through. Last thing you need to know about the journey is if you look at the slides, it looks like it's a road out, but it's not. It's a loop. It's a circle. And the reason is, is because um, you'll be there again. And the reason we're studying this and the reason I want you to identify these parts is because I want you to know that where you are, where you'll be, but you're going to see these again because the stages of life at 15 and 25 and 35 and 45, uh, most, for most of us, we're going to be revisiting the same things that was a problem before, right? Always being a people pleaser or afraid of being alone or perfectionism. And, and God's just going to keep going, just sifting us and refining us. Put it this way, shining us, making us shinier too. And, and we have to keep doing this because... You can't amputate too much at the beginning. <laughs> and so we, we grow up and out, and then maybe 10 years later or something else happens to us, and, and we can, wait, God, I smell that again. I know that. I know that. And so you won't have to stay there as long the second or third or fourth time. And you'd think somebody that's gone through this four times is going to be melancholy or angry, and they're not. They are overflowing with joy because they're at this church, what we'll say is they were, they're born again again born again, again. 
And we don't mean like to be, you have to be re-saved into the family. What we mean is just this new appreciation and you start all over again where it's like, wow, and this enthusiasm, innocent, and that sort of thing. This, this, this maturity, right, this completeness, this going through the six stages and then again, again, this is your soul's desire. This is a life without regrets. That's what you want to live for. Because let me tell you what's on the other side of that wall. On five and six, let me tell you two things you get here. You get a thick skin and you get a soft heart. And those are beautiful gifts. You, the thick skin, what I mean by that is, you know, towards, it means that you're not offended so much anymore. Because there's not that much of you to offend. I mean, you don't, who cares about you anyway? And so you don't. And so it's Francis of Assisi, blessed is he who expects nothing, for you shall enjoy everything. Enjoy everything. And you, you can be forgettable. I mean, you can be invisible. So much of us are working our way around trying to be noticed or not overlooked or feel important, all that. But after, after the, going through the wall and five and six and maybe doing it two or three times, you just don't care anymore. You get this thick skin. You're not... Life isn't about you, you know, and, and you don't care about control, and you just get this sense of joy, and then you get this thick skin's good, but only if you can keep a soft heart. You have to have a soft heart towards other people, and that's what happens is you start, because there's not so much about you anymore, you can start turning out, and you look at other souls, and you can listen, and you can empathize, and you can walk in their shoes for a little bit. You can become a person that enjoys knowing other people. You have a tender heart towards God. It's you're a kid again. You're not trying to figure him out now. You're realizing the mystery of God is in his grandness, and you're just, you're just a human, so you get wonder and innocence. And with each lap, okay, with each of the six stages, and then you go through it again, that's okay. With each lap, it's less you and more God. You're going to love what God has for your life. This is what he means when you meet means conformed to his image of God. That's what it means to be conformed to the image of his son. So here's the question. Here's the question. Where are you now? Where are you now in the six stages of faith? And, and, and how long are you, are the, are you there? Are you, have you spent too much time there? Is it time to move on? And second, the next part of that question is, what's next for you? And I just want to encourage you in this. Even at the wall, maybe even especially at the wall, wherever you are, God's there. He wants, he wants you to be a saint, and he wants you bragging about the power of the Spirit in your life to transform it. Second question is, how can you help others? How can you help others? If you've been through the cycle at least once, and so many of you have been on it more, I love talking to some of you in the, in the lobby because you've been through this four times. And, 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 and the point is, is that especially since we're a church that doesn't just specialize in the first three, we want you to come back and, and speak into the lives of these people, especially those who are at the wall, because you can tell them about the joy and the wonder and the innocence that comes from facing God's will, God's way and surrendering to that. You can show people it's worth the surrender. And one of the, one of the things I love about our church is that we have people, we value this going deeper still enjoying deeper still. So if you, if, if you're there, could you maybe be the person that leads out? Because people that haven't been through it, they're going to keep giving bumper sticker, you know, formula to Jesus. And so you need to be that person that just puts your hand on them and lets them cry and say, let's, 
Let's get it all out. Let's leave this ego where it belongs on the other side of this wall. Anybody want to live a supernatural, courageous, infectious life? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org. 